Section 14 of Love Letters of Dorothy Osborne. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rhonda Fetterman. The Love Letters of Dorothy Osborne. Section 14. Letter 66. July 20th, 1654. I am very sorry I spoke too late, for I am confident this was an excellent servant. He was in the same house where I lay, and I had taken a great fancy to him, upon what was told me of him, and what I saw. The poor fellow, too, was so pleased that I undertook to inquire at a place for him, that though mine was, as I told him, uncertain, yet upon the bare hopes on it he refused two or three good conditions but I shall set him now at liberty, and not think at all the worse for him for his good nature. Sure you go a little too far in your condemnation on it. I know it may be abused, as the best things are most subject to be, but in itself tis so absolutely necessary that where it is wanting nothing can recompense the miss on it. The most contemptible person in the world, if he has that, cannot be justly hated, and the most considerable, without it, cannot deserve to be loved. Would to God I had all that good nature you complain you have too much of! I could find ways enough to dispose on it amongst myself and my friends. But tis well where it is, and I should sooner wish you more on it than less. I wonder with what confidence you can complain of my short letters that are so guilty yourself in the same kind. I have not seen a letter this month which has been above half a sheet. Never trust me if I write more than you that live in a desolated country where you might finish a romance of ten tomes before anybody interrupted you. I that live in a house the most filled of any since the ark, and where, I can assure you, one has hardly time for the most necessary occasions. Well, there was never any one thing so much desired and apprehended at the same time as your return is by me. It will certainly, I think, conclude me a very happy or a most unfortunate person. Sometimes, methinks, I would fain know my doom, whatever it be, and at others I dread it so extremely that I am confident the five Portugals and the three plotters which were the other day condemned by the High Court of Justice had not half my fears upon them. I leave you to judge the constraint I live in, what alarms my thoughts give me, and yet how unconcerned this company requires I should be. They will have me at my part in a play, the lost lady it is, and I am she. Pray God it be not an ill omen. I shall lose my eyes and you this letter if I make it longer. Farewell. I am your faithful friend and servant. Dorothy Osborne. Letter 67 I wonder you did not come before your last letter. T'was dated the 24th of August, but I received it not till the 1st of September. Would to God your journey were over! Every little storm of wind frights me so that I pass here for the greatest coward that was ever born, though in earnest I think I am as little so as most women. Yet I may be deceived, too, for now I remember me you have often told me I was one, and sure you know what kind of heart mine is better than anybody else. I am glad you are pleased with that description I made of you of my humour. 
for though you had disliked it, I am afraid tis past my power to help. You need not make excuses neither for yours. No other would please me half so well. That gaiety which you say is only esteemed would be insupportable to me, and I can as little endure a tongue that's always in motion as I could the click of a mill. Of all the company this place is stored with, there is but two persons whose conversation is at all easy. One is my eldest niece, who sure was sent into this world to show tis possible for a woman to be silent. The other, a gentleman whose mistress died just when they should have married, and though tis many years since, one may read it in his face still. His humour was very good, I believe, before that accident, for he will yet say things pleasant enough, but tis so seldom that he speaks at all, and when he does tis with so sober a look, that one may see he is not moved at all himself when he diverts the company most. You will not be jealous, though I say I like him very much. If you were not secure in me, you might be so in him. He would expect his mistress should rise again to reproach his inconstancy if he made court to anything but her memory. Methinks we three, that is my niece and he and I, do become this house the worst that can be, unless I should take into the number my brother Peyton himself too. For to say truth, his, for another sort of melancholy, is not less than ours. What can you imagine we did this last week, when to our constant company there was added a colonel and his lady, a son of his, and two daughters, a maid of honour to the Queen of Bohemia, and another colonel, or a major, I know not which, besides all the tongue they brought with them, the men the greatest drinkers that ever I saw, which did not at all agree with my brother, who would not be drawn to it to save a kingdom if it lay at stake and no other way to redeem it. But in earnest there was one more to be pitied besides us, and that was Colonel Thornhill's wife, as pretty a young woman as I have seen. She is Sir John Greenville's sister, and has all his good nature, with a great deal of beauty and modesty, and wit enough. This innocent creature is sacrificed to the veriest beast that ever was. The first day she came hither he intended, it seems, to have come with her, but by the way called in to see an old acquaintance, and bid her go on. He would overtake her, but did not come till next night, and then so drunk he was led immediately to bed, whither she was to follow him when she had supped. I blessed myself at her patience, as you may do, that I could find anything to fill up this paper withal. Adieu. Your faithful friend and servant, Dorothy Osborne. Letter 68 I did so promise myself a letter on Friday that I am very angry I had it not, though I know you were not to come to town when it should have been writ. But did you not tell me you should not stay above a day or two? What is it that has kept you longer? I am pleased, though, that you are out of the power of so uncertain things as the winds and the sea, which I never feared for myself, but did extremely apprehend for you. You will find a packet of letters to read, and maybe have met with them already. If you have, you are so tired that tis but reasonable I should spare you in this. For, to say truth, I have not time to make this longer." Besides that if I had, my pen is so very good that it writes an invisible hand, I think. I am sure I cannot read it myself. 
if your eyes are better you will find that i intended to assure you i am your faithful friend and servant dorothy osborne letter sixty nine i am but newly waked out of an unquiet sleep and i find it so late that if i write at all it must be now some company that was here last night kept us up till three o'clock and then we lay three in a bed which was all the same to me as if we had not gone to bed at all since dinner they are all gone and our company with them part of the way and with much ado i got to be excused that i might recover a little sleep but i am so moped yet that sure this letter will be nonsense i would fain tell you though that your father is mistaken and that you are not if you believe that i have all the kindness and tenderness for you my heart is capable of let me assure you whatever your father thinks that had you twenty thousand pounds a year i could love you no more than i do and should be far from showing it so much lest it should look like a desire of your fortune which as to myself i value as little as anybody in the world and in this age of changes but certainly i know what an estate is i have seen my father's reduced better than four thousand pounds to not four hundred pounds a year and i thank god i never felt the change in anything that i thought necessary i never wanted nor am confident i never shall but yet i would not be thought so inconsiderate a person as not to remember that it is expected from all people that have sense that they should act with reason that to all persons some proportion of fortune is necessary according to their several qualities and though it is not required that one should tie oneself to just so much and something is left for one's inclination and the difference in the persons to make yet still within such a compass and such as lay more upon these considerations than they will bear shall infallibly be condemned by all sober persons if any accident out of my power should bring me to necessity though never so great i should not doubt with god's assistance but to bear it as well as anybody and i should never be ashamed on it if he pleased to send it me but if by my own folly i had put it upon myself the case would be extremely altered if ever this comes to a treaty i shall declare that in my own choice i prefer you much before any other person in the world and all that this inclination in me in the judgment of any persons of honour and discretion will bear i shall desire may be laid upon it to the uttermost of what they can allow and if your father please to make up the rest i know nothing that is like to hinder me from being yours but if your father out of humour shall refuse to treat with such friends as i have let them be what they will it must end here for though i was content for your sake to lose them and all the respect they had for me yet now i have done that i'll never let them see that i have so little interest in you and yours as not to prevail that my brother may be admitted to treat for me sure when a thing of course and so much reason as that unless i did disclose to all the world he were my enemy it must be expected whensoever i dispose of myself he should be made no stranger to it when that shall be refused me i may be justly reproached that i deceived myself when i expected to be at all valued in a family that i am a stranger to 
or that I should be considered with any respect, because I had a kindness for you, that made me not value my own interests. I doubt much whether all this be sense or not. I find my head so heavy. But that which I would say is, in short, this. If I did say once that my brother should have nothing to do in it, "'Twas when his carriage towards me gave me such an occasion "'as could justify the keeping that distance with him. "'But now it would look extremely unhandsome in me, "'and sure I hope your father would not require it of me. "'If he does, I must conclude he has no value for me, "'and sure I never disobliged him to my knowledge, "'and should with all the willingness imaginable "'serve him if it lay in my power. "'Good God!' What an unhappy person am I! All the world is so almost. Just now they are telling me of a gentleman near us that is the most wretched creature made, by the loss of a wife that he passionately loved. That can be. If your father would but in some measure satisfy my friends that I might but do it in any justifiable manner, you should dispose me as you pleased, carry me whither you would. All the places of the world would be alike to me, where you were, and I should not despair of carrying myself so towards him as might deserve a better opinion from him. I am your faithful friend and servant. Dorothy Osborne Letter 70 My doubts and fears were not at all increased by that which gives you so many, nor did I apprehend that your father might not have been prevailed with, to have allowed my brother's being seen in the treaty. For as to the thing itself, whether he appears in it or not, twill be the same. He cannot but conclude my brother Peyton would not do anything in it without the other's consent. I do not pretend to share in your father's kindness, as having nothing in me to merit it, but as much a stranger as I am to him. I should have taken it very ill if I had desired it of him, and he had refused it me. I do not believe my brother has said anything to his prejudice, unless it were in his persuasions to me, and there it did not injure him at all. If he takes it ill that my brother appears so very averse to the match, I may do so too, that he was the same, and nothing less than my kindness for you could have made me take so patiently as I did his saying to some that knew me at York that he was forced to bring you thither and afterwards to send you over lest you should have married me. This was not much to my advantage, nor hardly civil, I think, to any woman. Yet I never so much as took the least notice on it, nor had not now, but for this occasion. Yet, sure, it concerns me to be at least as nice as he in point of honour. I think tis best for me to end here, lest my anger should make me lose that respect I would always have for your father, and twere not amiss, I think, that I devoted it all towards you for being so idle as to run out of your bed to catch such a cold. If you come hither you must expect to be chidden so much that you will wish you had stayed till we came up, when perhaps I might have almost forgot half my quarrel to you. At this present I can assure you I am pleased with nobody but your sister, and her I love extremely, and will call her pretty. Say what you will, I know she must be so though I never saw more of her than what her letters show. She shall have two spots, carriage-dogs, if she please, 
for I had just such another given me after you were gone, or anything else that is in the power of your faithful friend and servant, Dorothy Osborne. Letter 71 Monday, October the 2nd, 1654 After a long debate with myself how to satisfy you and remove that rock, as you call it, which in your apprehensions is of so great danger, I am at last resolved to let you see that I value your affections for me at as high a rate as you yourself can set it, and that you cannot have more of tenderness for me and my interests than I shall ever have for yours. The particulars how I intend to make this good you shall know when I see you, which since I find them here more irresolute in point of time, though not as to the journey itself, than I hope they would have been, notwithstanding your quarrel to me, and the apprehension you would make me believe you had that I do not care to see you, pray come hither and try whether you shall be welcome or not. In sober earnest now I must speak with you, and to that end, if your occasions will serve, come down to Canterbury, send someone when you are there, and you shall have further directions. You must be contented not to stay here above two or three hours. I shall tell you my reason when you come, and pray inform yourself of all that your father will do on this occasion, that you may tell it me only. Therefore let it be plainly and sincerely what he intends, and all. I will not hinder your coming away so much as the making this letter a little longer might take away from your time in reading it. Tis enough to tell you I am ever your faithful friend and servant. Dorothy Osborne End of section 14. Recording by Rhonda Fetterman.